Welcome to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Big run. He's at the 40, 35, 30, 20, and he's inside the red zone. He's trekked down from behind, down to the 19-yard line. We're talking Colts and recapping the action. 10, the 5, a touchdown for the Colts. How about it? Indianapolis scores on a block punt. Settles in, floats it downfield, and it is picked off by the Colts. They're running the other way with it inside the 30-yard line, and it's Shaq Leonard. Now here's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome inside Colts Roundtable Live, presented tonight by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts' conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor with you until 6.30 tonight. We're on a little bit earlier uh, with the Pacers hosting the Spurs tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So Pacer pregame starts at 6.30. So we're with you for the next hour or so coming up. In just a few minutes, I'll be joined by Colts head coach Shane Steichen, per usual, here on a Monday night. He's en route to the radio studio right now to recap the win for the Colts in Week 9. And then I'll also be joined tonight by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wright, starting on segment number two. And we're taking your Twitter questions all throughout the show tonight. Actually, those questions on X. Uh, Get them in using hashtag Colts Roundtable throughout the show tonight. Colts were victorious in Carolina, knocking off the Panthers 27-13, snapping a three-game losing skid. The Colts blitzed out to an early 10-0 lead, and the defense limited the Panthers to just 62 yards and five first downs in the first half. And without question, the hero on Sunday for the Colts, Kenny Moore the second, the longest tenure defensive player on that side of the ball, had a day for the ages with two pick sixes, becoming the first player in franchise history to accomplish that. He's also the first player with two pick sixes in the same game in the NFL since the 2021 season and just the ninth man to do that league-wide since the year 2000. Moore scored 12 points himself, almost beating the Panthers single-handedly on Sunday. But it wasn't all Kenny, though. The Colts' pass rush was much better in this game than it had been during their three-game losing skid coming into the game. The Colts generated four sacks and pressured rookie Bryce Young all game long. DeForest Buckner had a monster game, too. He chipped in with one sack, two passes defensed, and a tackle for loss. It was a good thing the defense had a great game. The Colts' offense found it hard to move the ball against Carolina. The offense picked up just 197 yards of total offense, their fewest by far this season. In fact, that's the fifth fewest yards in a win for the Colts since they moved to town in 1984 and the fewest in a win for the team since the 2008 season. Indianapolis was just 4 of 13 on third down, and Jonathan Taylor had 47 yards on 18 carries as the team's leading rusher, but they still won the game thanks to contributions from Matt Gay, who drilled a 57-yard field goal in the first half, which is the second-longest made field goal in team history, and most importantly, the Colts did not turn the ball over. The Colts are now 4-0 and in games this season in which they win the turnover battle and 0-5 when they are even or have a negative margin. The win for the Colts moves them to 4-5 and on the season, and now they've got a chance to even their record against the Patriots in Germany coming up this Sunday before they hit the bye week. Again, coming up on segment number two tonight, I'll be joined by Colts analysts Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. To get their thoughts on the win in Carolina, also take your social media questions coming up in just a little bit. But as promised, it's now time to lead off the show with our weekly chat with the head coach of the Colts, Shane Steichen, who's in studio with us now. Brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Coach, 
Congratulations on the big win against the Panthers. What was the feeling inside the locker room and on the plane ride home getting that victory and ending some frustrations you had the last couple of weeks? Yeah, no, it was a great feeling. It was a great team win. Uh, great job by the defense stepping up, you know, obviously with four sacks there and then Kenny Moore with the two pick sixes, you know, setting the tone there was huge. Uh, but it was great to get back on track and uh, looking forward to, you know, this Sunday in Germany. You've been around this game a long time. High school, college, in the NFL, player in college, player in high school. Had you ever been a part of a game where one guy has two pick sixes in the same game? I don't think I've ever seen that. So it was uh, awesome to be a part of it. And I just, you know, right before half to get that pick before half, you know, with 30 seconds left was huge. And then, you know, the next one, they throw, you know, the high seven route on third down to create the chunk play to get some momentum. And then two plays later, bang, he gets another one, you know, 65 yards, 70 yards the other way. Yeah. Uh, it, It was huge. It was awesome to see. How impressed have you been with his his leadership and his stability since you've been here. I, I know you've only known him a short amount of time, but what does he mean to that defense since you've taken this job? Uh, he's just the ultimate pro, uh, ultimate competitor. Uh, the way he works, the way he prepares, I see him at practice every day. Uh, making calls. I see him after practice getting extra work in on the practice field by himself, going through back pedals, you know, hitting the bags, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, guys that do that and, and take their job very seriously and grind at it, you know, you're going to have success on Sundays, and that's what he did. When you have when you have a pick six or a defensive touchdown, let alone two defensive scores in the same game, what, what does that do to the sideline? What does it do for you personally as the play caller and the offensive guru and the, the guy that's orchestrating everything how much pressure is, is lifted off of you in those moments uh it's a it's a huge momentum swing you know anytime a big play like that happens especially a defensive touchdown or mm-hmm. we get a block punt or something like that yeah you can feel it on the sidelines you can feel it in the stadium uh it's big so hopefully we continue to do that uh, moving forward be nice that's head coach there's no doubt about that <laughs> head coach Shane Steichen with us here on Colts Roundtable live tonight um on the other side of the ball the defense uh after some high point totals the last couple of games Colts gave up only 13 points only 62 yards and three points there in the first half how pleased were you with the defensive effort yesterday oh the defense was tremendous you know credit to all those guys on defense going out and making plays and Gus Bradley and his staff you know putting them in position to go make those plays but Mm -hmm. just the pressure we're able to get on the quarterback Uh, obviously the interceptions were huge three there um, and then obviously four sacks uh, by the defense and they just they're really good uh, in the run game with some of the stuff they were doing up front. Uh, it was tremendous to see. And last one for me on that side of the ball, DeForest Buckner, a sack, two tackles for loss, two passes defensed. We could go on and on and on. He wrecked the game. I know he's not underrated here, but how underappreciated might he be around the NFL considering what he means to the Colts defense? You know, I don't know. Just being on the other sideline, seeing him play, obviously getting here, I had a ton of respect for him because mm-hmm. I know what type of player he is and now having him on our side on my side with the team uh, is tremendous just the way he goes about his business and works and I mean he's he's around the football every single play you know he's disrupting almost every single play uh, and it's awesome to have him on our team all right let's take a few fan questions every Monday night with head coach Shane Steichen use hashtag Colts roundtable let's go to Mike first coach he's asking after some explosive games on offense what went into taking a step back on offense on Sunday yeah you know I think the first 
first half, you know, we had, uh, you know, we got down in there and weren't able to punch it in. We had some penalties. We had to settle for three there. Um, you know, we hit the screen to JT for a touch and then mm-hmm. uh, had the other field goal, had 13 there and then got the pick six to get 20. And then in the second half, you know, we just got to do a better job in the second half, you know, moving the football. Obviously, we were running it there. Um, our defense was playing it really well. But, you know, we got to do a better job running it there in the second half and give ourselves a, ch- a better chance there offensively in the second half. But, yeah. you know, we just got to go look, go back and, you know, do our self-scout process and continue to learn and improve and make sure we're playing complementary football in all three phases going forward. All right. This is a good one from Tommy. He's asking, Jonathan Taylor saw a season-high 23 touches Played 75% of the snaps. You know the drill. How important is it for him to get going early for the offense's success down the stretch? Yeah, I think I think that's a good question. I think, you know, JT is a big-time playmaker, and obviously Zach's a big-time playmaker, and we got, you know, wide receivers on the outside with Pittman and Alec and Downs and Ogletree and, and all those guys. So, you know, however the, the game flows, you know, early in the game, whoever that is, maybe it's Pittman touching early, maybe it's JT touching early, but as long as we can try to get those leads and maintain those leads and have the defense play well, uh, we'll be set up for success uh, going forward. All right, John is asking, Coach, how is Jay Jones playing in his role since the injury to Juju Brents. You know, he stepped up yesterday just, you know, watching it, watching the film back again, but watching it obviously, you know, in the stadium yesterday on the sidelines, just some of the plays he made, some of the tackles he made, the one-on-one pass breakups he made, you know, towards the end of the game. Uh, he's continued to improve and climb and and, yeah. and and grow as a player every single week, so it's been really good to see. All right, uh, we kind of already talked about this a little bit, but Justin is asking what made our defense so much more dominant, dominant in terms of the pass rush on Sunday compared to the three games losing skid I think you know in the NFL you know sometimes you have you know some games where you're, you're you know you're not at the top of your game sometimes and, and, and you know other games it flips and uh, our guys you know they were fighting and scratching and you know obviously losing three in a row you don't want to lose four in a row and so you got that mindset that this ain't going to happen again let's let's not talk about what we need to go do let's go do it and uh, those guys stepped up and, and, and played tremendous all right last one coming from Wendy coach what is the game plan to make sure guys are not jet lagged and can adjust the time change for a weird start time in Germany? That's a good question. So we're going to leave um, Thursday night on a red eye, um, and we'll get in, you know, at about 7 a.m. on our body time uh, and try to keep it try to keep it as normal as possible. You know, when we get over there, so when we land, we'll keep them up. You know, we'll stretch them. We'll do our meetings. We'll do our practice on Friday uh, and then try to keep them up, you know, Friday uh, as late as possible, and so they can try to stay on that same t- mm-hmm. you know time zone as much as possible uh, going into that game on Sunday. Are you looking forward to Germany? Yeah, I think it's going to be great. You know, I had an opportunity to go to London uh, back in I think seventeen or eighteen uh, mm-hmm. when I was with the Chargers. We played the Titans over there. Um, great experience, but you know, it's a business trip. We're going over there to win a football game. Yeah. Is the bottom line. No doubt about that. We're not drinking German beer all weekend, no, right? Definitely not doing that. <laughs> we'll be watching tape. All right, the Patriots are up next. They're two and seven, and I know they've kind of fallen on hard times here. None of that really matters this week, but. Um, what have you been able to gather on the Patriots so far early in the week here? Yeah, you know, tremendous respect for Belichick and what he's done over his you know, career. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll always have a wrinkle uh, defensively and offensively. Um, so, you know, we'll dive into them, you know, here today and tomorrow uh, and go from there. But really looking forward to the opportunity to go face them. That's head coach Shane Steichen on Colts Roundtable Live. Coach, congratulations on the win and uh, safe travels and best of luck in Germany. I appreciate it. That's our weekly conversation with head coach Shane Steichen tonight and every Monday night here on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Save at home on monthly bills when you can serve your water and energy. For money-saving tips, visit citizensenergygroup.com. Colts fans, reminder, 
Sack game day cravings with the $10 Colts meal deal complete with the All-American cheeseburger, four boneless wings, and a half order of tots. It's available only at Buffalo Wild Wings, available at select B-dubs locations around town. Additional terms apply. We've got plenty more to get into tonight before the Pacers take on the Spurs. When we come back, we'll welcome in Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights, get their big takeaways on the Colts' win over the Carolina Panthers on the tail of the tape. Then on segment three, we're getting you ready for Germany and talking about what the Colts need to pack in their suitcase and take with them in terms of what they did well against the Panthers. Then on segment four tonight, we're taking your questions on the mailbag. Submit those on X using hashtag Colts Roundtable. So a very busy show tonight per usual with you until 6.30. Pacer pregame then at the bottom of that hour. We're coming back with all of that in just a moment. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live here tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Roundtable Live, a full hour dedicated to Colts football. Here again is Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Hey, welcome back tonight. Colts Roundtable Live returns with until 6.30 tonight. We're brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. I'll be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. I'm Matt Taylor. It's time to welcome in our analysts on the show, segment two and on, Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Fellas, welcome back here on a Monday night. We've got some good topics to talk about with the Colts victorious in Carolina. Joe, how are you on this Victory Monday, sir? I'm doing great. Awful excited. It was. Uh, it maybe wasn't the prettiest win at times, but when you look at the scoreboard, you win by 14 points. And so you got the chance now to head across the pond there to Germany and get yourself to 5-5, five and five, 500 right before the bye week and take some well-needed rest. So excited yeah. for really a huge opportunity for this Colts team to, in my opinion, really, you know, either you're a pretender or you're actually going to be in the fight here down the stretch in November and December, and that's coming up in Germany, 9.30 on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt about that. Good perspective right there. Rick, how you doing? You still dreaming about Kenny Moore pick sixes the other day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm doing really well. You know, we're a little bit spoiled with all these 1 o'clock games. Getting home at midnight actually was kind of a short night. Where you, you know, in the past, we're used to it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you what, and, and you two guys know this very, very well, um, you know, when you win a game, there's just nothing like it. I mean, you you invest so much time during the week, you know, whether you're playing the Carolina Panthers or you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles or you're playing for a Super Bowl, and, and you're doing it for one reason and one reason only, and that's to win a game. And, you know, when you're on that plane coming back, and it was a short flight, but the vibe coming back just was wonderful. It just was a great feeling. Uh, you know, it's irreplaceable. You can't explain it to people unless you're really in it, but it just felt really good to be a part of it. No doubt about that. You're exactly right. Rick Venturi and Joe Wright's here again. We're with you until 6.30 tonight here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Van. The uh, Pacers take on San Antonio Spurs tonight at uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, so we have you until then. But Rick and Joe have both examined the game tape from Sunday as the Colts won their first game by 14 or more points since 2021. So let's roll it out. It's time now for the tale of the tape. Cool, baby. Raise in hell today, okay? That's way to go, fellas. Bang, bang, play. Bang, bang. Keep the hammer down, all right? Keep talking to one another, man, and clean it up. That's all. Get ready. Get ready. Yes. 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 All right, tail of the tape, Joe, we begin with you as the Colts offense failed to go over 200 yards, but 
They didn't turn the football over. The defense held the Panthers to just 13 points on the afternoon. Kenny Moore had a day for the ages, and the Colts took care of business against a bad football team at uh, now 1-7 there in Carolina. So what else does your tail of the tape say about the Colts' win in Week 9? Yeah, I thought that obviously we were offensively efficient. So let's start with offense. You know, We punted to start the game, and then with the muff punt, you know, we really only had three other possessions, and we went field goal, touchdown, field goal. You can't really complain about that. And then when we got the pick six in the first half and it was 20-3, to three, I mean, the game is essentially over. And obviously you don't want to play not to lose, but my mind and, and Coach Steichen's mind is at halftime, we just got to do what we're doing and conserve the ball and not turn the football over, and we're going to win this game. The reality is the Panthers struggle offensively. Our defense was dialed in. But when you have a 17-point lead at halftime, three scores, the only way you can let them back in the game is if you turn the football over. So I thought from that perspective, you know, we did a good job of managing the game, so to speak, in the second half. I know it wasn't the greatest. I mean, you look at the stats, and we had less than 200 total yards. We only had 12 first downs on plays. Five of our first downs were on penalties from them. But right. the positives are we played a clean game. Five penalties for 25 yards. We were plus two turnover differential. And the bottom line is, Matt, it's like you go back to like a, a fourth grade CYO game. You know, the other team had 13 points and Kenny Moore had 14 points. If you have one guy <laughs> outscoring their offense and he's in your defensive secondary, you're probably going to have a pretty good game. So well, I know that was, Coach that was Vin Joe Wright's back in the day at, at uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. I know those. I don't know. You're, 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 you're giving me too much credit, but <laughs> but Coach, how would you feel? I don't know if you've ever had that experience where one of your guys in your secondary outscored the other team by himself. That's awful impressive. Well, I told Matt right on the right off the bat. I'm in my 41 years of either coaching or covering the NFL. I've never seen it before. If I'm not mistaken, Kenny's was the only time in Colts history. So, I mean, you're talking historic. Um, I thought this was just really – this was just a fun win, totally. I mean, and the Colts did really what they had to do. They took an inferior team, they smothered them, and they demoralized their hapless quarterback. He had 11.3 quarterback rating at the end of the day. And nothing sweeter than to see a Colts victory formation – uh, you know, at the end of the game. The story was really defensive dominance, Moore and Buckner, then all the offense taking care of the ball. I, I thought the defense, you know, albeit versus a horrendous offense, they showed mm -hmm. me something, some growth schematically, which I think could really bode well for the future if it's not a one-off. You know, I thought going back to Baker was definitely the smart move. Mm -hmm. I, I thought we panicked a week ago with Brown, to be honest with you. Uh, more importantly, the Colts actually played with a lot of scheme diversity. They utilized cover two more than they have all year, which protects the corners. They played some cover eight, which protects one corner. And basically, that really helps the young corners. We brought some edge fires on first down, uh, which kind of gives you a bear look on the run. It's the equivalent of the bear. And then I thought they did a really great job of moving Buckner around on third down, which really created havoc. X's and O's matter on Sunday now. Trust me, guys. Um, and I really believe that Jones and Baker can hang in there if you just don't hang them out every down to dry like we have for eight weeks before that. You know, I've been saying that for a long time. I'll tell you one thing, though, on the other side of it, I really think that we, we're really missing Grover, Zaire, and certainly speed uh, versus direct runs because as bad as the Panthers were, 
138 yards rushing and 4.9 right at us is a little bit alarming. But the good news is the overall dominance, the 13 points given up, two defensive touchdowns, two turnovers, three turnovers, four sacks, three picks. And and I'm with you guys. The offense did enough. Um, You know, although the game ended up Kenny Moore 14, the Panthers 13. But, you know, you could tell – with an overmatched and overwhelmed opponent versus our defense, the Colts played it smart and didn't turn it over, you know, which possibly would have given them a chance. You know, I will say this. The Jags plan, I call it the Jags plan, the Jaguar plan, was repeated yesterday by the Panthers and, again, really stifled us and held us under 213 points. So you got to look at it two ways because you have to critically analyze uh, you know, wins like you do losses. And what's killing us is that heavy bear front on first down with man-to-man coverage and then blitz us on long yardage. Our running backs fought like hell, but there's no daylight. And our receivers are scheme-dependent, and without downs, there's just no separation. So the Colts going forward now, and we're in a, we're in a position to go forward, okay? They, we have to figure this out because people mm-hmm. – this week and thereafter, they're they're just going to copy it and they're going to major in it. And, you know, we're not going to win games counting on 14 points on defense, okay? So, you know, I, and, and, and you can't count on just zone runs to beat this bear. You just can't do it. And you got to be able to c- create strategic separation for our receivers. I thought in the end, I thought Gay and Sanchez, I thought Sanchez was great. The one thing he did is he took them, he, he punted them back in there and forced a long, long drive all the time. Our coverage, a few warts. Uh, I thought in the end, to me, you know, the, with the season on the brink there, uh, we live to fight another day. Yep, Colts are 4-5 and five, trying to fight that uh, next day. In Germany, in fact, the Colts trying to get to 5-5 five and five before the bye week and a week off there. Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. And that's the tale of the tape here with Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. Their burning reactions after the Colts improve to 4-5 and five on the season with a big win against the Panthers, stopping that three-game slide. After this quick timeout, we're going to take a look at what the Colts need to pack in their suitcase to Germany. Obviously, they're going to need their passports, but what items that performed well in Carolina need to make the trip overseas this upcoming week for the Colts. That's coming up next here on Colts Roundtable Live. Stay with us with you until 6.30 tonight on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Colts Roundtable Live on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. From the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, here's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. Hey, welcome back tonight. Thanks for sticking with us on Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips always at citizensenergygroup.com. And tonight's show is brought to you also by Hot Box Pizza. Good night for it when the Colts score, you score Check out your favorite Hotbox location for 50% off your entire order every Monday this season with promo code COLTS. Time now to pack the suitcase after the win against the Patriots. The Colts now head out for their longest road trip of the season. That's a trip to Frankfurt, Germany. The Patriots are up next, and the Colts... 
They're going to need their passports. They're going to need their cell phone chargers, uh, clean underwear, Rick Venturi. That's always a must. Uh, to- toiletries coming up. But they're going to need to pack those areas that performed well on Sunday against Carolina. The first area, in my opinion, taking good care of the football and then Jonathan Taylor because the Colts offense, they didn't put up fireworks on Sunday like they had been doing the previous couple of weeks, Rick, but they did finish the day with 198 total yards on uh, 2.6 yards a carry and 4.9 yards a pass, but they had zero plays over 20, which is kind of abnormal for where the Colts had been going into the game. But the one thing they did not do, turn the football over. The Colts are now they're now 4-0 this season when they don't suffer an offensive turnover. Jonathan Taylor was the focal point of that running game, uh, but he only had 47 yards on 18 carries. So, Rick, how important is it for the Colts to to pack the turnover deodorant and also a Jonathan Taylor-focused offensive passport to Germany this week against the Patriots trying to get back to 500? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think that's one and one A in terms of Germany, in terms of the rest of the season. Um, you know, basically, you can go back over time, and there's very few times when a team that doesn't win the uh, turnover uh, battle over the long haul ever is in the playoffs or ever is a really good team. I mean, turnover differential is probably the number one stat in the league. And so when you don't turn it over, number one, you got a big chance to win. Yeah. Um, turnovers are equalizers. I say that all the time. If you just want to look at one game this year, we were by far the better team in the Cleveland Browns game. I mean, we dominated every statistic substantially in that game, but the four turnovers and the block kick ended up dooming us. And, and so that's that's a classic example. Uh, but we got to get Taylor going. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, you know, Taylor and Moss, I, I just think they're terrific. But Taylor is special. You know, we did get him the screen pass, and he did the rest. Nelson did a really good job getting out in front of him, but he scored. And this is what I was saying before in the intro. We've got to figure out how to run the ball versus bear defense, and it's not going to be zone because – I don't think that you're going to beat many teams with those offensive numbers. Now, I think it was smart in a way, just don't screw it up Sunday. But I don't think going forward we're not going to play a team that's that bad, really. And we're not going to overwhelm an offense like that week after week. So I think it's really important that we evolve again. We were on our way and we kind of got away from it get a little bit more power, a little bit more lead. We've got to figure out ways to run versus the Bear defense. And then you can't be stubborn. If they got nine of them in there between your tight ends, then Pierce and Pittman and hopefully Downs, if he gets back, you got to throw the ball outside because then that makes Taylor better. If you start throwing the ball outside the numbers, then you're going to get them out of that nine-man front, which then lightens the box. So, I think you're right on, you know, with the uh, Dob kit there. No turnovers, and <laughs> yeah. let's get uh, let's get Taylor going. Yeah, I I think the most important thing about Jonathan Taylor in that game was the workload. He had 18 rushes. He also had five catches out of the backfield. So I think 23 total touches for him, seven for Zach Moss. And Zach Moss is a good player now. You're not taking anything away from him, but Jonathan Taylor is a great player and a game breaker. And I think that split of 23 to seven, you know, and like you said, 75%, Matt is really good and and I agree with coach I think he had that touchdown on the screen pass I think a lot of times you see teams that have great runners Tennessee does this all the time teams will bottle up Henry bottle up Henry early in the game and what oftentimes gets him going 
is that first screen pass, mm-hmm. that you know, flare route out of the backfield, and then he gets the ball in his hands. He's got some momentum. He gets 10, 12, 15. That loosens up the defense a little bit. So I think potentially screens early, and I agree with Coach. A bear running protection plan generally historically, it's power. You know, block everybody down, bring somebody around, or run some sort of you know trap or wham play. But the reality is, too, you know, Braden Smith is a road grader difference maker at right tackle. You know, with him out in Freeland, that's just not Freeland's skill set yet. And again, the guy's battling his butt off, and he's a you know fourth round rookie that started you know seven games so far. But I really think our advantage when we're running downhill too is you can run it left and, and strategically and schematically we got the tight ends and. I think Ogletree's a guy that continues to come on and battle. And so you know those tight, tight ends and being multiple. And then kind of like what Coach said, sometimes just spread them out and get in, you know, dice right or left and have four guys split outside the box and Taylor's in there. And if you got six guys in there, run one back power, you know, one back lead. And if not, you know, throw it to those guys on the outside. So I'll be excited to see what we do. Uh, but I think overall the biggest thing, like you said, A, no turnovers, which is huge. And B, Jonathan Taylor, 75% plus workload. That's a recipe for success that if you're the Colts, you can ride that the rest of the season. That's Joe Wrights right there. This is uh, Colts Roundtable Live along with Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. We're talking about what to pack to Germany for the Colts. Let's pack up that defensive pass rush because the defensive line attacked the Panthers all game long. And despite seeing all those double teams that he always does, DeForest Buckner was a beast. He had four tackles, a sack two tackles for loss he had two quarterback hits and two passes uh, defensed and uh, they were all over Bryce Young the entire game as a team the Colts had four sacks which was more sacks for uh, for that outing than their three games during their losing skid combined and the pass rush led to a season high three takeaways by the defense and even though the Panthers outgained the Colts 275 to 198 they had just 62 yards and five first downs in the first half when the Colts built up that lead 20 to 3 at halftime so Joe for you how imperative is it for the Colts to to fold up the pass rush stick it in that carry-on to Germany for that 10-hour flight no question and the thing you got to remember too about these London games and Germany games internationally a lot of time the field surface is a lot different when we played Jacksonville in 2016 that was thick sod and guys were wearing the wrong cleats and you had to switch to seven studs at halftime my point there is the pocket collapses quicker sometimes when you're on those field surfaces you can get more pressure on the quarterback that's something we need to continue to do and and I thought our defensive line played well especially Buckner against an overmatched offensive line but the biggest thing in all that Matt is when the score's 20 to 3 at halftime there's no more excited person in the locker room than a defensive lineman and there's no more person that's upset than an offensive lineman because when you know you got a pass and you're dictating on the scoreboard, you can just pin your ears back and play. And so, again, I think this recipe, I said it a few weeks ago, you know, with a Minshew-led offense and not type the explosiveness in the type of offensive diversity with AR5, we got to stay ahead on the scoreboard, play a little bit more Tennessee Titan. Like, we get a 10-point lead early in the game like we did. And we can really, you know, go to town. And I think that's going to be important, especially against a New England team that's had their challenges. They're really struggling. And offensively, you know, they're limited this season. All right, I want to get to one more topic before we uh, before we break here. I want to get to Kenny Moore on the outside, Rick, because his historic day came on a day when he played all over the field in the secondary. He was the Colts' best option to play outside at times with that ongoing injury to Juju Brents. 
And we all remember what happened last year with Kenny Moore. Had a down season, but he's, he's found ways uh, this year to be more productive in the defense, and the defensive uh, coaching staff has found more ways to be creative with him. And he's back to that game-changer on defense, kind of back to that 2021 Pro Bowl form that we knew him to be. Rick, going along with that that packing analogy here, can can Kenny Moore cram his versatility playing inside and outside into that overhead compartment on the plane? I mean, do the Colts, do they need to leave him outside now so long as Brintz is out of the lineup? Well, you know, I, I, first of all, you know, I think we all recognize this. Uh, you and I certainly did going all the way back to training camp. I, I remember saying in one of our preseason pre um, podcasts, Kenny Moore is back. I mean, you saw yeah. a different Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore wasn't into it a year ago. He was upset over the contract. He never really got into it. There was just a little bit of edge that he lost. Well, he came back ready to go, and his edge has been there. And wherever you use Kenny Moore, he's going to play really well because he is extremely versatile. Now, he's very, very good on the inside. There's no question about it because he basically knows how to play man and zone from an inside position. Now, that's that may sound simple, but normally a corner is not used to playing an inside zone. It's normally different territory for him and Kenny has that down. As a matter of fact, he got his interception simply by being in the right place at the right time, to be honest with you. I mean the second one he's in the right place and and the guy could have handed it to him to be honest with you. But I think how you use Kenny, I think I think this game has to be creative and there has to be nuance. And and I think it, it comes down to several things. But I think the first thing is how are you going to play this team? How are we going to play the Patriots? Are we going to are we going to put you know are we going to play them a lot of man to man coverage? And right now their best receivers are tight ends and their slot Douglas. So you know in that case you know you would certainly lead lend towards playing Kenny more on the inside. You know and to me as long as we have Baker and as long as we have Jones, I really think they're serviceable corners. I don't think they're front-line corners, but as long as you don't leave them out there, and we didn't for the first time. We played a ton of two, a ton of eight, where we got roll-up. We didn't leave them outside there, and so we can exist with those guys. Now, if you go down one, if you go to a Tony Brown, now I think you have to very seriously consider playing a guy like Tony Brown inside and leaving Kenny outside, utilizing his diversity. I think that's really important. You know, the second thing is, it's first of all, how are you going to play somebody? You know, who are you going to play? Who are their top guys? If it's an outside guy like Olave, you know, or like a, a Thomas, I would I would have had him outside in that game. Now, this week against the Patriots, probably going to be an inside, and then you can switch him around. And then, it, of course, it always comes down to your availability of your team. Right. But he is definitely, he and Buckner right now, are tremendous players who are affecting the game. I don't people I don't think people realize how Buckner affected that game Sunday because obviously Kenny walks away with the prize with the two touchdowns, but Buckner was just dominating. I mean, just dominating the way we used him. So, you know, wherever you play Kenny this year, he's going to play really well. And again, I think there I think there's a place for both inside and outside. Yeah, I would agree and I think coach, you know, just to maybe oversimplify it 
he's our best weapon we have back there in the secondary, right? And I know you're not going to match, and we don't play a ton of man coverage, but put your best guy in advantageous positions against their best guys, and we got the chance to erase some of their receivers, and we saw what happened. So I agree. we we got to make sure that we're continuing to put him in advantageous positions where he can, A, really dominate on the back end, and B, take some pressure off some of those other younger corners. And I thought, again, Gus Bradley, you know, called a phenomenal game, did a great job, and we'll be interested to see how they use him, you know, coming up Sunday in uh, Frankfurt. No doubt. All right, that's our segment, breaking down what the Colts need to pack to Germany to beat the Patriots on Sunday to get back to 5-5 five and five on the season. It's a full suitcase now. A lot of stuff you got to throw in there, boys. Is that uh, going to be <laughs> under 50 pounds and make the uh, official <laughs> check in there on the bag or what? You got to check those liquids too. Yeah, you got to have those little compartments to, to smuggle in all the liquids and uh, the toothpaste and the shampoo and all that stuff right there. So a lot to contend with on a 10-hour flight overseas to Germany. Uh, Colts Roundtable Live tonight is brought to you by McDonald's. When the Colts score, so do you. Buy one Big Mac and get another one free when the Colts score a field goal only in the McDonald's app. Also, Colts Roundtable Live tonight brought to you by Caesars. Enter for the People Sweepstakes, brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook with the Caesars Rewards for your chance to win a Peyton Manning autographed item and a $250 gift card to Jack Binion Steak at Horseshoe Indianapolis Racing and Casino. Visit Colts.com slash Caesars for more information on that. You must be 21 or older to participate. Time for a quick timeout here on Colts Roundtable Live tonight. But when we come back, taking those questions, get them in on X. The mailbag segment's coming up. And uh, submit those tonight and every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. And we'll take the best ones when we come back here on the Indianapolis Colts. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're back in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to Colts Roundtable Live. Once again, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back again, everybody. This is Colts Roundtable Live, brought to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner on a Monday night. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. And once again, Colts Roundtable Live is brought to you in part by McDonald's, where field goals equal deal goals. Buy one Big Mac, get another one free when the Colts make a field goal during any game this season. That happened yesterday, two of them by Matt Gay, only available in the app. It's time now for the mailbag segment. Back here again, I'm Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and Joe Wrights with you until 6.30, and that's when Pacer Pregame takes over the airwaves here on The Fan. You can tweet in or uh, X in your questions every Monday night using hashtag Colts Roundtable. Uh, let's go to Reggie. Reggie up first. Joe is asking, what are going to be our biggest challenges this week playing in Germany? Now, Joe, you played in London. I know Germany's a little bit uh, further away, and things have changed a little bit since that uh, 2016 opportunity for the Colts when they played internationally but from your experience as a player overseas what what were the challenges and the hurdles for you as a player back then yeah great question I think and you see all kinds of different data some teams go over there a week early some teams fly in as late as they can the bottom line is the teams that have the most energy at kickoff are the teams that are going to win and so I think for me this is a week about simplifying things if you're going to have more or less in the game plan have less if you're going to practice more or less practice less the reality is Matt the team that's got the most juice and plays the hardest because sometimes you see those games and teams are walking around like zombies a little bit and you're, you're wondering you know the game really doesn't get started till the third or fourth quarter and teams mm-hmm. are kind of waking up and adjusting and I think too don't, don't make too big a deal about it 
yeah, you're playing in Germany. There's a lot of different things you got to do and you're flying and on a plane. But, you know, a 10 hour flight, you know, you take a five hour flight when you go out to L.A. And so I think sometimes coaches can make things more complicated and talk about things too much and almost put it in players heads. Yeah. However, we can keep our guys fresh high juice, ready to go and go out and play. I really think that's the key to these international games. Yeah, great point right there. Okay, let's go to Charles. Uh, he's asking, Rick, how did our linebackers fare on Sunday without Zaire Franklin in the lineup for the first time? Yeah, I thought they really, really struggled, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and, and we've got some issues there. Uh, you know, they came in, you know, the Panthers came in 23rd in the league uh, per rush with a, you know, with a 3.6 uh average and ended up walking out of there with 138 and 4.9 and a lot of those you know were done in the first three quarters it's not like it was garbage yardage 4.9 138 and most of it was directly at us now we've got we've got some real issues and i will take issue on one uh you know we have not been the same uh without grover it's just not we're just not we have not been the same and then when you give Buckner a blow, which you have to sometimes in a series, and both of those guys are gone, then it's a huge void. Um, then when you lose Franklin, you lose your big hammer. And, you know, I thought, you know, I thought Aluby, he, I thought he went in there and smacked people around a little bit, but he ain't Franklin. You know, and then I, I would never play Leonard over speed on rundowns. If you're going to do, if you're going to switch them, let Leonard play on the pass downs, but don't don't take speed out of the game on the rundowns like we did Sunday. Because if you look at the softness in there on the running game, I mean, it, we're just we're just kind of fortunate that they you know that they have no passing game whatsoever because they ran it well, and we have to do. I thought we took some steps. Uh, we ran some fires. Uh, we brought Kenny off the edge. We brought Leonard. Uh, we brought a Luby one time. And when you do that, when you bring that five and pinch the end, it's almost like a bear. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're trying to make things happen, take a little pressure off the nose. And then I still would line up in a five-man bear, period, uh, to stop that. Because, you know, I think right now we, we really do have issues. And that was very glaring, even though it was a dominating defensive performance. That part of it wasn't. So, yeah, you know, hopefully we can get guys back as quick as we can. But, I would just never take speed off the field, EJ speed off the field on a rundown. All right, uh, question for both of you, if we can go quick, kind of up against it here. Uh, staying on defense, Rick Kenneth is asking, in, in what ways do you see things clicking for Pay and Daiwa Dangbo this season? Well, the thing about the thing about Quiddy is Quiddy is never going to be that edge rusher I think sometimes we believe he would be. He, even though he has really good speed, what Quiddy is is really a tremendous effort player, and he's a tough player. He's a, you know, he's probably our best, you know, with the exception of Buckner and Grover, those inside guys. He's by far our best outside run defender. I mean, he is really a typical, what I call a strong side end. He's very, very difficult, and his sacks are usually going to come with effort and second effort, and if everybody else is pushing the pocket, he's going to end up getting some clean ones. But I don't think we can ever expect Quiddy to have those double-digit years. Now, Dio is very interesting because, I mean, and I've always felt this, Dio has tremendous loose playability, 
And when he gets inside on a good on a bad matchup on a guard, he which I knew he had. It was just a matter of, you know, he got Corbett and he gave, he gave him that snatch and go, which I'd seen other people do. But it was just tremendous. I mean, he was right in that quarterback's face right now. And I just I I he is a guy now. I expect someday to be that double digit sack guy. All right, that's a look at the Colts mailbag here, part of the Colts Roundtable Live program with you every Monday night here on The Fan. As always, send in those thoughts and those questions with us. Uh, hashtag Colts Roundtable is the best way to do that. When we come back, we'll close out the show. Look ahead to Week 10 in Germany. The New England Patriots up next for the Colts. You're listening to Colts Roundtable Live. We're closing it out in just a moment here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You're locked in to Colts Roundtable Live, a look at the latest action with the Indianapolis Colts. For more Colts talk, here's Matt Taylor from the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Welcome back for the final time here on Colts Roundtable Live. Pacer pregame coming up in just a few minutes. Pacers and Spurs at the Fieldhouse. We're presented to you by Citizens Energy Group. Proud to be the Colts conservation partner. Find winning conservation tips at citizensenergygroup.com. This message tonight brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. So job well done by the Colts on Sunday. Took care of business. They're now 4-5 and five on the season, and it's time for Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights to give their parting shots and their final thoughts on the Week 9 win against Carolina. Joe, I guess for you as the Colts get back on the right track, it's it's still only one game and it's still, you know, uh, against a team that had one win um, going into the game. For you, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but how unusual of a week is this for the Colts on the horizon here as the Colts have to maintain focus uh, on a big stage and a big game before the bye week against a team that they they should beat. New England comes into this game 2 and 7 and they are in last place in the AFC in terms of the conference standings going into Week 10. Yeah, for sure. I mean, bottom line, we are the better football team. Is there a lot of distractions and it's not a normal week? Yeah, but guess what? New England's got to deal with it the same way. So I think the more we can be normal, the more we can be simple, and the more we can realize we're the better football team, we just got to play with the energy, the juice, the spirit that we need to get ourselves to five and five. You got a nice long bye week. And then all of a sudden you're in it. You're, you're in the thick of the playoff race and battling with seven games to go. That's got to be our entire focus. But uh, coach, I know you know the Patriots well. You and Coach Belichick, old coaching buddies, you'll probably be getting a German beer there before the game, huh? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, you know, I do, I do know him pretty well. And I'll tell you what, though, I will say this, and this is a good thing. And I, and I think if you, if you can simplify what they do and keep it simple, I agree with you totally, Joe, there. Um, but this is not your father's Patriots. I mean, this is a team that mm-hmm. is yeah. 31st in the league in scoring. They're 26th in the league in points given up as of today. You know, the quarterback is inconsistent. He's 23rd in the league with a QBR. And very uncharacteristic for a Belichick's team is there really a minus six turnover. So, you know, play the men. Don't play the myth. Uh, You know, the myth of the Patriots mean nothing this year. Uh, They will be well prepared. And the one thing, and I will say this, I always say this when you play a Belichick team, more importantly sometimes than scouting them is scouting yourself. Know what your strengths are and weaknesses and be very critical of what could be the weaknesses. Because I used to tell young coaches when we got ready to play them from outside is if you don't know your weaknesses going into the game, you yeah. will by the end of the first quarter. And you, <laughs> if you look at last year's game, they attacked prior. 
with stunts. They attacked a rookie, Ryman. Now, Ryman is not the same guy, so that's not going to happen. But they, particularly on defense, he is going to attack you uh, to your deficiency. So self-scout this week going over maybe more important than scouting the Patriots. All right, Rick Venturi right there. Joe Wrights closing it out here on Colts Roundtable Live. I'm Matt Taylor. We are up against it. Pacer pregame in just a handful of minutes. And, again, if you miss any of tonight's show, it's available on a podcast, Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and the Colts audio network, all the normal places you download your podcast. It's going to be up here shortly. And we will do it again not next Monday but next Tuesday following the trip to Germany. Colts and Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany next Sunday. So we are going to take the day off on Monday to kind of rest and recuperate and then come back with you on the bye week next Tuesday here on Colts Roundtable Live. Pacer pregame is coming up. Pacers and Spurs at the Fieldhouse. Thanks for listening tonight to Colts Roundtable Live. You're on the home of the Colts, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night. Good night.